Hello and welcome to episode 472 of Fergie on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? Um, it's It's been an entertaining week. Yeah. It's been an entertaining week. Um, but before I get into the, uh, the entertainment aspect of it, mm-hmm. I think... This week we need to have a week-long celebration. What are we it's, celebrating? It's a one-year anniversary. What for? Since Luke Brooks last tasted success in the NRL. Oh, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> the Tigers have got the bye this week. Oh, wow. And, and his so, last win yeah. was in round seven last year, which was April 23. Fuck, that's insane. So... By the time he runs on the field again, it'll be past a year since he last won a game of footy. So, who's the, who's the next game against? Oh, the bye. So, you know, good luck. Yeah. Um, so I put together a little NRL ladder. Okay. Of every NRL side and how they've performed since Luke Brooks last won a game of footy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So at the top, this includes finals and all mm-hmm. the games this year as well. So it's okay. since, basically since round eight last year. Okay. Um, Panthers on the top, 38 points. That's 19 wins from 25 games. Pretty good. Uh, and their points difference is 302, which is miles better than anybody else. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Cowboys second with South. Um, they've both got 32 points. Then fourth on the ladder, or equal fourth on the ladder. In order, based on points differential, the Sharks, the Broncos, the Raiders, and then Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got the Roosters with 14 wins, Melbourne with 13, the Dragons, 11 wins from 22 games. I didn't think they were going a parody. They're doing better than I realised. Yeah, that's interesting, that is. Yeah. Then we've got the Bulldogs with nine wins from 23 games. Mm-hmm. Manly and the Knights, both with seven wins and a draw. The Titans and the Warriors, both with seven wins each. And now we're down to the last two. And second last is the Dolphins with four wins. The Dolphins. <laughs> and coming last is the West Tigers. They've had two wins. It's not round eight. even as good as the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> not even as good as the Dolphins. Oh, man. That's and they've, funny. Uh, they've got a points difference of minus 335. Wow. Which is over 100 worse than the next worst team. They're worse than the Panthers are good. Yeah, that's right. That's incredible. Yeah, the other thing I was looking at too, sort of unrelated to the Tigers, is the Tigers obviously have the worst attack so far in 2023. Yeah. The Roosters have only scored four points more than them. Oh, that's pretty interesting, hey? I think more discussion needs to be around the Roosters because they're in the top eight and they've only scored 94 points and the Tigers have scored 90. Look, there's, it's interesting when people have talked about the Roosters and we talked about this a few weeks ago now where everyone was saying, oh, the Roosters, they don't even have a salary cap. And you kind of look at their lineup and you wonder what people are talking about and what they're seeing because the Roosters aren't a bad team, but they're definitely not up there with the best teams in the competition. And look, that might change, but I feel as though the Roosters at their very, very best are not as good as like say Penrith on a really bad day, you know? Yeah, the the Roosters um they're struggling a bit this year. Mm. 
That's like their halves don't look as good as they did last year. And I, I we talked about can you rely on them when with injuries and stuff like that. And their forward pack is, I I would say it's maybe a touch below average for the NRL. Um, they've obviously got Tedesco, which is a fantastic you know addition to all of that, and and Manu as well, who's a fantastic addition to all that. But they're not the the world beaters that especially the media makes them out to be. I don't understand the media's obsession with the Roosters. It's kind of weird. Mm, it's, well, you know, everyone wants a bit of that uh, politest coin, don't they? I guess that's the thing, yeah. So that's probably what it is. But, yeah, it's, uh, I just I just saw that and thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Raiders, Cowboys and Parramatta all with two wins and sitting at the bottom end of the ladder. Yeah, there's – look, the Cowboys, it's weird because you look at the Cowboys and, and they don't look bad, but they're, they're super inconsistent in games. So they'll do things that are good in a game, but then they'll have like five minutes where they're terrible, especially yeah. defensively, and it just kills them. Yeah, that's right. And Parramatta's been kind of similar. Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting. There's a bit of change to come in this ladder. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I feel like on. that. I feel like that when we get to the finals, like I, I think that in the last few weeks of the season, we're going to get to a point where there's going to be some really good football teams, or some, I should say, some talented football teams that need to win every game to make the finals. And if they don't make the finals, it's been an absolute disaster of a year for them. Oh, absolutely. Look, Parramatta Cowboys. Um, even the Sharks and South, mm. um, those teams need to start lifting a few gears, like mm. pretty soon. Otherwise, they're going to be having to play catch up through the Origin period and beyond, uh, and that's going to be a bit of a slog for them because they'll be dishing out quite a few players to the Origin squads. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that there's some teams in there. Weirdly, as terrible as their lineup is. And for the absolute lack of talent, maybe the least talented squad in the league, Anthony Griffin has the Dragons doing stuff they have no right to do. Yeah. You know, and I think that a team like that could just make it really difficult for, you know, if the Parramatta Eels lose a couple more games, you know, it's starting to get towards that point of how much of a head start can you give the top eight teams before you're out of it? Yeah, you can't. If you want to be a finalist, you can't be sitting more than three places outside the top eight mm. in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically and historically, very few teams have got into the finals that far out from with half the season gone. Yeah. Um, so typically, whoever's in the top eight at that halfway mark is usually the same as the eight teams, but in different order by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. One or two might change, but... Um, yeah, you've got to be. You got to start getting your shit together um, now, so you're in in that right position by the middle of the year. Um, but yeah, the other thing I was going to raise too before we get into the uh, the meat on the bone. Yeah, I think as I call it, the veritable feast that's on the bone that's coming <laughs> up. Um, is I'm surprised that there hasn't been more origin talk already. I knew it was going to happen after round five. It mm-hmm. seems to be what they tend to do. 
Yeah. Um, and the only bit I heard was um, a bunch of old drunks going on about whether Josh Adokar should be playing or not, and then they basically fucking jinxed him when he went and got injured. He got injured, yeah. I was, I was horrified when I saw that injury occur because I was messing around on my phone, as I do during the footy. I look up. I, I just basically see his his knee touching the ground and his leg pointing a funny way, and I'm like, oh, my God, is that his ACL? Posted it, and I didn't realise how many fucking doctors follow me, hey? Mate. Because I just got bombarded by people telling me, it's his ankle, it's his ankle. Um, which it was. He, he did fuck up his ankle, but his knee's also injured. But I, I'm glad it's not his ACL. But, yeah, like... You know, if he was healthy, he just he's probably one of the top three first players I select. And he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, yeah, out of car in the wing. You don't have to worry about it. That's it. You know? Yeah, I'd, I'd be locking that shit down straight away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I assume it's going to ramp up a bit this week. Because the people who are got the loud voices in the media, mm-hmm. they aren't watching the games of football. And there's not much going on off the field now because everyone's sort of hunkering down and, and focusing on playing footy. So mm. they've got fuck all to talk about. So they yeah. either talk about what other what another one of their colleagues said, and that's news, <laughs> yeah, somehow, or they start bitching about something else. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what's going on at the moment. Um, which, let's get to the bone, shall we? Okay, to, let's tell everyone what this the rest of the episode is going to be about one subject. <laughs> it, it could be. It's um, if you if you aren't on social media and haven't been paying attention to the news for the past week, the West Tigers unveiled their 2023 um, commemorative jersey, paying tribute to the. I'm reading from their website now. The bravery and sacrifice of the ADF and their loyal service animals. That's the Australian Defence Force. They made that clear. The Australian Defence Force, in brackets, ADF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who their commemorative jersey was um, referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, they got an Englishman to wear it. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, this this is a fucking debacle. Um. Look, I'll persevere. Okay, I'll try and go in chronological order. Okay. They did a press release on the actual jumper. It's basically saying the same thing over and over again. The club worked closely with the Holsworthy Army Barracks to launch this jersey, further strengthening its ties to the local community. And it goes on about what's on the jumper, about servicemen, two servicemen walking through a Middle Eastern landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, blah, 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 blah. Constantly saying, honouring the legacy of the ADF, Holsworthy Army Barracks, ADF, blah, 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 the whole way through, all this shit. And then a couple of eagle-eyed people looked in the jersey and went, they don't look like Australian soldiers on that jumper. No, they don't. Um, and before I found out that someone's found the stock image, I do know a few people in the military, uh, well, retired servicemen anyway, mm-hmm. um, one retired not so long ago, another one further back, um, and said, like, if you have a look at this picture of, of these soldiers on here, are you able to identify whether they're Australian or not? And both of them went, they're definitely not Australians. The weapons and the helicopter in the background are dead giveaways that they're American. Yeah. 
Now, it has to be said, right, people in the in any of the armed forces, they know what an official kit looks like to an absolute minuscule point, right? Yeah. So they would be able to look at somebody that is in full military gear and be able to say, the the color of the eyelets on your your boots are the wrong color. Yeah. And if they pointed that out to somebody that was wearing that, that person is in trouble. Like they I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean that person is in actual fucking trouble, okay? Apart from the embarrassment of what they've done to dishonor the uniform that they should be fucking wearing. Okay, and they wouldn't be told that in a nice way. <laughs> they would have their ass chewed out over it. Um, so the idea that anybody at Holsworthy Army Barracks, which I've been to, by the way, would ever fucking put stock footage of a US soldier on a jersey and say, that's what you want, isn't it, is it's fucking outrageous. Well, the fact that they even approve of it, because they know it's not right. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, someone found the stock image photo, and the stock image photo, like a lot of stock images photos, they've got tags on there so that they, you can get them in a Google search really quick. Yeah. And the second or third tag on the picture is American. <laughs> so you would see it. When you, when you find the stock image, it will be there. It's one of the first tags you see for the image. Mm-hmm. Just to make it clear. Um, so what I found out about, and I saw this talk about it, I, I made a jovial tweet and I just said, the Tigers become the first team to have an American Independence Day jumper. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a bit of a laugh. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I, I wasn't too upset about a Black Hawk helicopter in the background because Australia does use Black Hawks. But once again... Somebody that's in the ADF would be able to look at the Black Hawk helicopter and say, oh, it's kitted out different to how we kit our ones out. And, like, be able to do that in a second, you know? Yeah. Um, And then for the West Tigers to then go into damage control and blame the soldiers for it. This is the dumb thing. Okay. And this this is the difference between a professional club Mm -hmm. and a bunch of fucking idiots who don't know what they're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Namely, Justin Potato and Chairman Lee. Mm -hmm. What they are, massive egos, defensive as fuck. Mm. I don't think I know of anyone running any professional sports team anywhere as defensive as those two fucking wankers. Well, the problem is if if your PR department has to keep defending either the board or the CEO, or the club in general, or the team's performances in general, or individuals in the team, over and over again, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so, the... This, uh, it doesn't get better, okay? Because no. the... What, what this was, was fuel for the mainstream media to go and shit on the West Tigers, and because... Fans had gone and done the majority of the digging around and all the work. All they had to do is just make one or two phone calls, mm. or even allege that they did, 
Um, I don't know if they did or not, but apparently Paul Kent said that he contacted the Holsworthy Army. No, he contacted the ADF, not Holsworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said no one at the West Tigers had contacted them about this jumper. Mm-hmm. The West Tigers said that they were dealing specifically with Holsworthy. So that was intentionally, I suppose, to fe- facetious on Paul Kent's behalf. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's saying, well, you know, Hosworth is part of ADF and technically he's right. But at the same time, the West Tigers weren't smart enough to go to the ADF. You can't, you can't, you can't try and outsmart a club that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, you've you've got to come down to their level, and Kent should be able to do that. They're starting at his base. Yeah. You know, so. Um, that was that was an own goal, and that was the dumb thing by the Tigers. Any time you can give these morons in the mainstream media an easy goal, you know you've done something bad and stupid. Mm-hmm. But they kept, they just kept going, because this is the moment when it's been pointed out to them. This is the moment the club should come out and go, you know what? We fucked up. You know, yeah. we've, we've done bad here. Yeah, we are horrified that. This got a, this got through. We take full ownership of it. It's all on us because this is our design. Um, so we're going to just scrap it. And and in saying that, right, if the club and the people running the club had said, we handed this over to our marketing department and they made a decision that we approved of and we didn't have the information available to us, because we don't have a background in military. I would have said, you know what, that's fair enough. But the fact that they said that they'd gone to Holsworthy Army Barracks, which to me was very strange wording. Like, if you had to do something that had to do with the Australian Defence Forces, I feel like you wouldn't go to an individual. It's like saying, oh, we went to the RAF base at Richmond. It just seems like a weird thing to, to say and to put it. I wonder if they went to somebody that worked there in some capacity that had nothing to do with actual defence department, like <laughs> they worked with the cleaner. <laughs> After seeing what's happened, I'm adamant that the Tigers did zero work with Holdsworthy mm. Army's barracks on the design of this jumper. Zero. Mm. Um, if you, The thing is, it's a fucking Army barracks, right? Yeah. It's not you don't just turn up there like if you if you contact them and somehow get the ability to go there, you are going into a military facility. You're never on your own. You're with somebody that would be a soldier and that soldier knows what the fuck they're doing. They're some of the best in the world at what they do, you know. And so when they said that and they come out with this jersey. You could just you could just smell it didn't pass the bullshit test, you know? Yeah. Nuts. It's nuts. Um but it came out just in time for an old three sixty, so Paul Kent had a field day with this. Mm-hmm. Um and the West Tigers doubled down. Yeah. And this Thank was you. the dumb fucking bit. Mm-hmm. They've doubled down. They've defended this thing. Instead of owning the mistake, they've come out and they said, 
the soldiers on the jersey simply depict the modern day soldier serving in a desert environment. And so, as I pointed out, based on their uh, press conference, the, these are quotes from their press release, paying tribute to the bravery sacrifice of the Australian Defence Force. Um, the front of the jersey depicts two servers and walk through a Middle Eastern landscape, reminding us of the incredible bravery and sacrifice of our troops. Not any troops, not US troops, our mm. troops, Australian troops. Mm. West Tigers has a long-standing tradition of supporting our troops, and this commemorative jersey serves as a meaningful way to honour the legacy of the ADF, nobody else. It reflects West Tigers' commitment to the local community and the support of the Australian Defence Force. Fans can wear the jersey as a symbol of remembrance for those who have served our country and a tribute to the courage, dedication and service of our troops. We know that this commemorative jersey will inspire others to reflect on the sacrifices made by our troops. It's like, it's, it's they're crazy. making it pretty damn clear mm. who they're commemorating on this jumper. And yet, it's an Anzac Day jersey. They failed to put the people who they're commemorating on the jumper. And it's not like there's a shortage of Anzac Day like images, you know? It's it's pretty easy to find an image of an Australian soldier. It's it's very easy to find an image that depicts an Anzac, and like <laughs> they put it, they put a US military couple of military servicemen on there. Why didn't they put a couple of Gurkhas on there? That would have been great. Why Is not? That, ah, it's a soldier. Why not? Stop worrying about it. Don't make it orangey, but and no one will notice. Yeah. And yet the whole retort was. You know, but the NRL, but Holesworthy, someone else. It's all this doubling down and blaming someone else. Or not even blaming, just saying, but these people are involved in the process as well. How come we're copying all the shit? You're going, who the fuck do you think you are Mm. that you think you can throw the fucking military under the bus over your botched football jumper? Are you fucking serious? That's the army. And that's where it got gross for me. You know, that's disgraceful. Not only did they fuck up the jersey, which, as we said, if they just owned up to it, we can say, you know what, we get it. But then when they found out they throw military personnel under the bus over an Anzac jersey, which they now have to scrap and not be able to give the funding that they would have given that jersey to the RSL. It just they compounded a problem with some bullshit and it's mind-blowing and they did it to save their own asses they did it to cut corners right and the problem they got with this is they've paid money for that image it's a i mean i know it's a stock image you still got to pay you still got to buy the thing Mm. that's gone to some random thing that's got nothing to do with the military they could have gone to the australian war memorial and paid for a jumper you know an image there and that money would have gone back into the Australian War Memorial. That's pretty fucking useful. Yeah. And they've done this shit instead, which now, is not useful. True. Now, this brings us to, and I think you and me are on along the same lines as this, Anzac jerseys in general. What do you think about them? We shouldn't do them. I agree. We, we never did. Look, yeah, I agree. One of the best... Anzac jumpers we had, okay, was 
when the Roosters wore their sky blue and red one. And the reason why that was one of the best ones is because it wasn't because it was honoring Anzacs directly, like having pictures of Anzac and shit like that on it. It's because during the World War II period, they couldn't get the correct blue dye for their jumper because of the rationing and stuff going on. So the jumper that the Roosters wore during that time was sky blue. That's the way you do it. Remember what the club was doing during that time and how this, you know, a bit of the sacrifice that went on there. What this stupid shit that they're doing to commemorate soldiers is tacky. Yeah. And the reason why I hate it the most, it's not done with 100% sincerity and integrity towards um, supporting the troops. It's about selling another jumper. Yeah. It's all sales. Yeah. It's a, you know, and it's not even as though they give 100% of the, the sales of those jerseys to the RSL. You know, no. they give whatever percentage it is, and I'm sure it's a really tiny percentage. Um, and it turns these jerseys into just a – it turns – you know, Anzac Day is a day, and I think it's the most special day in Australia, personally. And it turns it into a some sort of tacky theme round where you've got all of these teams wearing fucking camo and they're putting all of this imagery on their jerseys and they're saying, that, oh, it's Anzac round. And it's like, no, Anzac Day is Anzac Day. You're just a fucking football game. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Um, Anzac round. No, no, no. See, the, the last post is a very somber very, very meaningful part of Anzac Day. The day, Anzac Day, mm. right? Hearing that being played eight times in four days mm-hmm. is fucking gross. They're not if they're not doing this to commemorate the soldiers. They just aren't. It's a marketing thing. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. You know what? If you want to do something for the soldiers, right, how's about for that whole week of football, every fucking dollar that every club and the entire NRL makes from football, including a percentage of their TV rights, they donate a whole lot of that to return servicemen who have got injured, who have come back with injuries and they can't work. Mm-hmm. How's about doing that? There's a commemoration that's worth something. Yeah, I agree. Because right now what they've got is this wank fest. They're they're cheapening the whole purpose of it and the whole meaning of it. It's fucking sickening. Yeah, and I think that they, you know, they looked at what happens in Melbourne with the AFL, which is the same thing, feel the same way about all of it, you know. And they said, well, they're doing it. Surely we can do something. And it's nothing to do with commemorating anything. It's about making money off the yeah, back of something. The AFL and, at least has been doing it. I know I still don't agree with them doing it, but at least they've been doing it for decades. Like, yeah. And I yeah, mean... Just been doing it longer. <laughs> I mean, a lot longer. But we've been doing it since the 2000s. Mm. That's it. It's, it's not even, it's not even been around long enough to be part of our, you know, long-term history. Yeah, it's it's fucking gross. If if they said in rugby league on Anzac Day we do not play football, I would be like, that's how you do it. Yeah, 
you know, get all the players to come to the ground, not playing footy, and they all sit there and do a whole, what could be a half-hour thing, commemorating um, soldiers. If you want, commemorating rugby league players who died at war, mm. right? Um, and do that. They're all at the game. They do it that way. That's the way to do it. But this is... I've read too much about soldiers who have gone to war and stuff like that and what they've sacrificed and what's happened to them to think that this is the right way of doing anything about it. It's yeah. just gross. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So they decided the best way to do with this is to make another jumper. <laughs> Hopefully they sort the second one out. Well, let's be honest. The second one looks a hell of a lot better. But I think the smartest option would have been to not do one at all. Well, I said what they should do is they should donate a million dollars to the RSL. Well, they've got to do something because the fact that all of this has happened shows that they, they've got no integrity behind their claim that they care about the ADF. Yeah. but it's, they've shown none from the start. Yeah, and look, at. It's symptomatic of what's going on at the Tigers at every level, you know, and, and and getting back to the Tigers' discussion, you know, that they haven't won a game yet this year and their performances have been really poor. And even in the game we watched today against the Parramatta Eels, where they got pretty close at one point, the Parramatta Eels were absolutely dreadful in that game and the, the West Tigers never really looked like they were going to win it at any point. Um, Adam Dewey went off with a knee injury and my first thought was, well, that's the only half that the club has because Luke Brooks is just, is it's over. And we've heard all sorts of reports that they're definitely going to re-sign him and then they're going to hold off on re-signing him. And then you've got the spectre of like Mitch Moses, who I don't believe has yet signed his contract. I've not seen anywhere where they've said that he is definitely signed with the Parramatta Eels. And you just know at some point someone at at the West Tigers is going to say, we could get him. If we give him this much, he'll come over. He'll be back. Yeah. And, and what worries me is that next year they're going to have a halves combination of Mitch Moses and, and whoever, Dewey, Brooks, whoever. And it's going to be the most expensive halves combination in the, the history of the game. And they'll have never won anything. Yeah, it, it's what they'll do. It just feels like it, doesn't it? It does. It does. This this whole the the worst part about this um this whole week, not just the jersey thing, they went and put out a press release reacting to the false media claims, and then we also had the drama with um fucking potato and the dressing sheds. Uh, mm. of the week before with his phone in his hand. He was on the field practicing for some fucking reason the week before. Yeah. Got all this talk about him thinking about, like, unsure whether he's going to re-sign Luke Brooks or not, unsure whether they're going to put in a big offer for Mitch Moses. The fact that he is, those are his ideas and he thinks that they're good ways to go. How much more evidence does this club need to say, mate, you are not the right person to be running anything, anywhere, at mm. any level, with any authority. You're a fucking Muppet. 
if shit up what you do, your track record is insanely shit house. How's about you fuck off and leave us alone? Well, the, you know, him being on the field kicking a footy around before the game with the players, it reminded me of, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, he plays for the, the Cronulla Sharks now. He used to play for the Panthers. What's his name? Luke Lewis? No, not Luke Lewis. The 5'8". The young bloke. No, the young, young bloke. Uh, Matt Moylan. Oh, young Matt Moylan. Yeah, young Matt Moylan. There was a game. I didn't know you were going that young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was was trying to think of people, you know, aged between 20 and 30. Yeah, yeah, that's how young we're going here. Um, Matt Moylan, there was a game, and it was a finals game, and Matt Moylan was supposedly out injured, and before the finals game, he was out there kicking a ball around with the other Panthers. And you can imagine what that made me feel like. I was very upset when I saw that. And that's what it made me think about when, you know, Potato was out there kicking the ball around. I was like, this is inappropriate. And then when there was the footage of him in the, the dressing sheds and he's messing around on his phone, the first thing that I thought about was players are not allowed to have their phones when they're in the dressing sheds during the game. And it's for betting purposes. Now, I'm not saying anything like that was going on, but I just thought it was, once again, it was kind of an inappropriate moment where, um, you know, you've got the CEO doing something that it probably is just silly to do, you know? Yeah, much like the press release he put out about the footy jumper after a written monitor had been put out, there's a video of him doing it. Yeah. Just yeah. silly to do. Yeah, and, you know, when you couple that, and I, I put out a, a tweet during the week saying, look, this this board and the CEO, you just got to look at their record, basically, since they've been in place. And I had a West Tigers fan say, oh, the club wasn't in the finals three years before they got there, so you can't blame them all for it. And it's like, what about the last seven years? Mm, you Do can. they have any responsibility for that? You can. <laughs> and it just shows that there's always going to be somebody that will make excuses for these people. Well, that's right. I mean, Chairman Lee came out because there was an article that came out um, before all of the jumper bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, Pascoe gets criticism for signing certain players but then doesn't get the credit for signing others. And I thought, yeah. I'm going to put together a list of all the players. Oh. And I thought, if anyone can tell me, which ones he should get credit for, mm-hmm. who are good signings, mm-hmm. Freaky will let me know. Okay. So when I say out a name of a good signing, you say stop, and I'll put a I'll put a tick next to their name. Okay. Okay. And look, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair. Okay. Yeah. That's all. I'm not that's gonna be super harsh. I'm gonna be fair. Go for yep. it. Matt Ballin, Jack Buchanan, Michael Cheekham, Manai Charrington, Joel Edwards, Asapelli Fanay. Tim Grant, Justin Hunt, Jack Littlejohn, Kyle Lovett, Nathan Malone, Jordan Rankin, Elijah Taylor, Matt Eisenhuth, Jamal Idris, Tui Lolohia, Matt McKilrick, Malachi Wateni Zelezniak, Robbie Farah, Peter Godinay, Chris McQueen, Benji Marshall. Okay. Um, I don't think it was the worst thing when they brought Benji Marshall back. Little mark next to it then. Okay. Now, you said Robbie Farah, and I, I thought, uh, I felt like they should have moved on from Robbie. I don't think, when they brought Robbie Farah back, I felt like that's not what you do. You should have moved on from that. So that's why I didn't say for him. Okay. But Benji that's Marshall, fair. I didn't mind them bringing him back. 
No, he did play. He did play well too when he came back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really okay. well. Okay, keep going. Um, ben Madalino, Moses and Bai, Russell Packer, Josh Reynolds, Robbie Rocco, Corey Thompson, Mahe Fanua, Robert Jennings, Ryan Madison, Paul Momorowski, Adam Dewey, Joey uh, Lulu. Hmm? No, I didn't like Adam Dewey. I, okay. I think I was thinking about Adam Dewey today. Oh. I feel like in a good side, he doesn't make the side in first grade. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, Joey Lailua, Luciano Lailua, Zane Musgrove, Billy Walters, Tom Amone, Dane Laurie, Ken Malmolo, John Offerhangawi, James Roberts, James Tamo, Stefano Utigamanu, Farmawanu Brown, Oliver Gildart, <laughs> Jack, Jackson Hastings. Uh, oh, you know what? I can see where Jackson Hastings might have worked out. Um, Brent Naden, Tyrone Peachy, Stafford Toa, John Bateman, David Clemmer, Appy Corusau. Appy Corusau, definitely. Isaiah Papali'i. Definitely him. Charlie Staines, uh, Brandon Wakem. You know what? Charlie Staines, I'm going to sign off on that one too. I can see some pedigree there. Brandon Wakem and Will Smith. You've you've marked five. I'm trying. You know what? I'm trying to I'm trying to get Will Smith in there because I don't mind him, but he's a reserve grader. They've had a few players debut at the club. Yeah. So this is more about retention. Okay. Because very few of these players are at the club now. Okay. <laughs> Josh Alloway. I know I'm talking about NRL debuts at the club, so it's not, they're not particularly juniors, but they made their debut at the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh Alloway, Josh Adokar. JJ Felice, uh, Jacob Little, Jeremy Marshall King, Ethan Masters, Bailey Sirenan, Alex Twole, Moses Sully, Luke Garner, Tyson Gamble, Oliver Clark, Thomas McKayley, Tommy Talao, Sean Bloor, Asu Kepawawa, Sam McIntyre, Alex Safarth, Reese Hoffman, Jock Madden, Junior Palga, Jake Simpkins, Zach Cheney, Tuki Simpkins, Kelma Tuolungi, Austin Diaz, Tom Freeban, Fanoa Palay, Kitioni Kotoga, Justin Matamua, Junior Tupo, Sione Fainu, Rua Tupu Nagatilkora, got that wrong, Tristan Riley, <laughs> Brendan Tumuth. What a list. Wow, the, uh, wow that's, that's rougher than I expected it to be. Mm. That's rougher than I expected it to be. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. So the signings, the juniors they've brought through, and the retention of some of the juniors that they've brought through has all been largely diabolical. Yeah, that's... Well, let's give him credit for at least five signings in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's worse than I expected it to be, hey? It's atrocious, man. As I was putting the list together, I was going, he deserved... Like, the article that the Daily Telegraph put out criticising him for the signings he made only listed probably a third of those names. Yeah. These people all played first grade. They're not just signings and they didn't play first grade. They all played NRL footy for the Tigers in that time. That's since 2016, by the way. Yeah, look, if you took if you took all of them players that you just listed on both lists and tried to put together the very best of those players at the peak of their careers, and I'll even t- if you put Robbie Farah and 
put him down as like 2008 Robbie Farah even, right? Mm. And Benji Marshall, and the same thing, 2008 Benji Marshall. Api Corusau from maybe, I, I feel like Api Corusau's best season was maybe two years ago, and that's not saying he's not a good player now. I'm just no, saying, no. like, you get him at his peak. Yeah. But that team of those players in their peak, David Clemmer at his peak even, and he's nothing like that now. I, it's still not a very good 17 that you end up with. You end up with some pretty good players in that team, but it falls off pretty hard very quickly. It's it's rough reading. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. It's uh, so, you know, I don't see anything that Pasco does now. I mean, obviously I've not been a fan of his for a while. Mm. You know. We're just starting to see some of the fruit starting to, you know, starting to ripen now because everyone else is finally starting to see that he's an absolute fucking charlatan. Well, the thing is that it, we're in a salary cap era, okay? So everything's supposed to be pretty evened up. Mm. And even so, he has never led the team to the finals, which statistically is actually something that you would have to go out of your way to avoid, you know? <laughs> like, it, it, you're going to luck into it at some point. Even the fucking Gold Coast Titans luck into it every so often. The Warriors. Know? The Warriors do it, yeah. <laughs> like, the Warriors haven't been as bad over the time that Pasco's been there. And at some at one point, they weren't allowed to play at home for two and a half years. Yeah. That's crazy. The Tigers have only had one season since 2016 where their win percentage was 50% for the year. It's crazy. And that was the year that Ivan Cleary was there as coach. <laughs> it was also the only season where yeah, it was their best defensive season, I think, since 2012, 2011? 2011. It's weird because you and me have, when Ivan Cleary, before the Panthers went on this run that they're on, you and me would joke about that Ivan Cleary season, right? And the further we get away from it and the more that Ivan Cleary achieves, and let's face it, he's at the perfect club at the right time in an anomalous moment in the game, right? So let's not pretend that he went to, you know, the fucking Titans or something, okay? But the further we get away from that, and then when we look back on that season, even accounting for some terrible signings that happened at that time, that season looks better and better as we get further away from it. It does. And look, this is the thing, okay, that was the noose around Michael Maguire's head and the club used it as a um, trigger to sack mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Was that that year, 2018, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 2018. So many of those players... That was signed that you were signed to four year deals, which meant they were there till 2021. Mm -hmm. So 2022 was the first time that Maguire finally got to start working with the salary cap and actually having a bunch of money freed up. And he was assholed. Basically, yeah. let's be honest, in after one season of actually getting a chance to build his own team. And I'm not making light of the situation. They made big, big money offers to uh, Russell Packer, Ben Madalino, Josh Reynolds, 
Um, I'm sure there was others as well. Yeah, there was uh, Chris McQueen was one. Chris McQueen. Um, I feel like there was another one. Another they brought big name. Mahe Fanua across. Um, Tim Grant was brought across. Tim I Grant. That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Chris Lawrence and Luke Brooks were upgraded that year. Um, Benji Marshall was brought back. I don't think Benji was on much, though. Moses and Bai was another one they brought into the club on big money. Yeah, because yeah, cause remember the they basically... The Bulldogs, who were had a really bad point, were like, we can't carry this guy any longer. And the West Tigers said, we'll carry his salary. Hands in the air. We'll take him. Yeah. Um, and I believe they upgraded David Nofaluma. I don't know why, around that time as well. And so they would have had close to, who else was it? Elijah Taylor. They would have had close to two-thirds of their salary cap tied up in that small bunch of players. Mm-hmm. For four years. Mm-hmm. But what was Maguire supposed to do? And you think yeah, he some of a, them were just injured and he didn't get to use them. Yeah, uh, like there's a lot of those players that you just named that they basically were in reserve grade the entire time except for a game here and there. Yeah, they become depth players. Mm. Chewing up two-thirds of the cap. Mm. So when he finally got that cleared, He's able to bring through a few a few juniors. He didn't go stupid on signings. He knew he had to get the junior stuff working. And they asshole him. First chance yeah. they got. Yeah. Um so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's it was, it was it's completely unfair. And people sit there saying, I I remember seeing on Facebook where someone saying, Oh, can we get Madge back? A lot of people's going, well, the good he's going to do. We know zero and five with him in his last season. Going, yeah, he was carrying a bunch of dead weights on his salary cap for four years. Yeah, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, and there was a point last year, and, and we all saw that documentary where, you know, he was basically almost to the point of pleading with that football team, and you could see a lot of them were turned off, and that's the sort of, um. That's the sort of environment that gets built when a team is so bad for so long where, you know, you get players that come into first grade and they don't really know what it means to be a first grader because all they know is that environment. And even so, there were just a little hints here and there that they were starting to maybe get something together. And it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't the terrible, tragic football we've come to know from the West Tigers. And just when it looked like something might be going in the right direction, they get, they had Tim Sheens in, who was doing the big review of the football department, and Tim Sheens' recommendation was that they sack the coach. Now, I saw somebody – I said – I've talked about this nonstop after every loss about what Tim Sheens did, where he come in and, and he ends up in the job. And somebody said, well, they tried to get um, other coaches, Cameron Seraldo being one of them, and couldn't get them. They tried really hard to get them and couldn't get them. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, Tim Sheens ended up recommending that he should be the coach, and he is the coach. And his recommendation was also that he was going to teach Benji Marshall how to be a coach. And in three years' time, Benji Marshall will take over. So he's wrapped up the coaching of the West Tigers for, like, what, five years or something at the very least. Mm. And on the back of all of that, they've come out and they're winless so far this season. 
and they just look terrible. His idea of them not being able to get free agents to the club because of the coaching situation now looks laughable. I mean, who would go to the fucking West Tigers? Like, we laugh about Mitch Mo- getting Mitch Moses, and it's like, they're going to have to pay Mitch Moses fucking $1.8 million or something ridiculous. And the wow. guy's like, I can't not take the money. You yeah. Know? It's just such a bad situation, and it's a worse situation than that they were in this time last year. And this time last year, they were in a bad situation. It's I, 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 I marvel. I absolutely marvel at the fact that they've given us so much material, and yet it doesn't dry up. Yeah, it like just gets worse how and worse. Bad they are. Yeah, like I'm watching that game today, and I'm I'm watching Appy Coruscant. And keep in mind, a few weeks ago they were they were holding him back, <laughs> and he's clearly their best player. It's like by a very long way, he's their best player, and he's out there, and he's playing his ass off, and he's trying to rev up these young players that have never experienced winning. And I'm talking about Luke Brooks, even, you know, and he's doing everything he can. And he he almost got them to that win. Right. Yeah. But they lost. And I'm watching him and I'm thinking a few weeks ago, the bright idea was to hold him back until the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the coach's idea. Well, this is is the thing, okay, with with Tim Sheens. No, no, I, I... I know I've said it before. I think he's an overrated coach, and it's not just because of this year. I've held this view for a long time. Um, if he doesn't have a brilliant core of juniors or just a once-in-a-generation absolute fucking freak of a player who can bust a game open whenever they want, if he doesn't have that to carry his team, he does nothing with them. Um, I'm, I'm, I reckon you could have put any person as coach of the Canberra Raiders time of the team, the time that he was there, mm. and that have won just as many premierships. I, I think that that's, I think that's very fair, right? And the other thing that you you kind of think about the Canberra Raiders in the mid nineties, they won one title. That's probably two or three less than they should have won, and. and there were some very good teams during that time. I mean, Brisbane was very good during that time. Uh, the Manly Seagulls were very good at that time. And then Super League hit and things got shook up a bit. But they should have got a... That for that team, one title was not enough looking back on it. No, God, no. They should have... They should have been close to being in the grand final in 93. They should have, they obviously won in 94. They should have got 95. They should have been in the grand final in 96. Because um, the majority of their their squad was still there, all they had that was, you know, that largely changed was losing Mel Meninga after '94. Yeah, yeah. You had Wiki and, and Jason Croker there to replace him in the centres. That's yeah. a pretty handy fucking centre pairing. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're gonna be okay. Um, so I, he he underachieved at Canberra, and that's saying something because they were. They were the benchmark and then some. And that's just how much talent they had in that side. So much. 
Then you look at what he did at the Cowboys. Fucking nothing. Didn't have a freak show player yeah. there or, or a good young score. And so instead of having a good core squad of young players he's bringing through from the region, he does what he does at the West Tigers his whole time, and that is constantly buying dregs from other clubs. Mm-hmm. Cowboys have got the whole upper half of Queensland to get junior players from, and there's fuck tons of players there. Mm-hmm. And he's buying bits and bits, bits and pieces players from all over Sydney. Yeah. The West Tigers have got that whole MacArthur region. He's buying players from bits and pieces of other clubs. That's all he knows how to do. He's got nothing else. And in the past, he could use his name and his reputation as a way to lure some players across, and sometimes it worked. I'm Tim Machines, I've won a few premierships. It doesn't work anymore. And I think the idea that a player would be more likely to go to a club because Tim Sheens was the coach over Mike Maguire being the coach is just a weird way to think about things, you know. Um, the, the best way to get players to a club is money. There's no doubt about that. But then you do have to consider the environment. And it's it, they don't play finals football. Like, even if Mitch Moses gets... Two million bucks a year out of them next year. Mitch Moses isn't going there thinking he's playing the finals anytime soon. No. You know, Appy Corusau, I don't know how much they're paying him, but he didn't sign for that club thinking, oh, yeah, finals for me next year and going forward. And he fucking joked about it, you know. Yeah. And they still went ahead with it. Yeah. yeah. I saw a thing too in the news today where – because. Dane Laurie's on the outer because, you know, Tim Sheens is a, is a, let's be honest, he's a prick. So if he doesn't like some people, he just fucking doesn't pick them. And oh, he allows, way, that, he allows way, that shit to fucking cloud his view. Yeah, and, and Dane Laurie being on the outer, is there any better thing for his career? <laughs> it's good for him right now. It really is. He, he he could end up, like if Dane Laurie ended up as the fullback for the um the Dragons next year, it would just be the best thing for him. He could go to any club, seriously. There's I'd very few clubs he could go to who wouldn't be the first choice fullback. Yeah, I'd have him at Penrith. Even if he was a, if he was the backup 5'8", the, the utility off the bench or something, he's a very good player. I always thought he was going to be a 5'8 in the NRL. I was kind of shocked at how good he performed as a fullback. And people will forget that there was a real point there for the Panthers where they had a choice of about three different players for who was going to end up fullback. And just when, you know, they were juggling the players and when the balls fell down, it just happened to be Dylan Edwards that was at the right place at the right time and he wasn't injured and, you know, they're winning games and you don't change a winning a winning combination. Dane Laurie was right in that mix. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for some reason he's now on the outer and... I'm a, I'm a bit of a sceptic when it comes to Tim Sheens and the media. I know he's got a lot of mates in the media, mm-hmm. and he uses them to his advantage wherever he can. Because I saw there was an article in the media today saying something about um, Dane Laurie might have to explain to the Tigers board why he liked a Broncos video of a try being scored. I went, are you fucking serious? <laughs> That's an actual news article. Yeah. I hope it's just 
running mouth bullshit and he's not being asked to go and front up about why he clicked the button on his fucking social media prize of of a try being scored that was impressive. Yeah. Fuck off. Look, if if a club pulled me in to do that, I would just sit down and I'd but go ninth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, ninth, sixteenth, you know? And that's all I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> and if they sacked me, as I said, best thing that's ever happened to me. Exactly. It's this this club has this is the worst thing about it, okay, is there was a, a comment made recently by Pascal, I think, about or might have been Chairman Lee, I don't know. They stand the same these days, full of shit. <laughs> um hey, I'm not pulling any punches today. Uh, <laughs> something along the lines of, Oh, we're just in the, the first year of our five year plan and went, What's the last ten years fucking been? <laughs> Oh, they don't count. What is the fucking... This is the first year of the five-year plan? It's nice to know you're making things go worse before it gets better. How come <laughs> when the Broncos got the wooden spoon, they didn't need a five-year plan? It took them two years to get back in the finals. Yeah. How come the Knights had three or four of the worst seasons in competition history are no longer the worst team in the competition? The Bulldogs, same again. They've even been in the finals. The Knights have been in the finals since they went through all that shit, and that wasn't that far ago. The weird thing is we've seen some teams and a weird number of teams bottom out, especially when you consider it's a salary cap era. So it technically it should be the closest era in the whole history of the competition. And in a lot of ways it has been. But even so, we've seen the Knights and the Bulldogs who bottomed out to historic levels, you know. The West Tigers, I think it's fair to say last year, did that as well. And this shouldn't be happening in the salary cap era. No. You know, and and for the West Tigers to be in that list of teams that have done that is, uh, I mean, it's completely unacceptable. And, you know, I was thinking about this today that, Every everybody that follows a football team, you have seasons where you have terrible seasons. And as a Panthers fan, man, we've had some terrible seasons. I still think about 2001. We won the wooden spoon. And I still have scars from that season. It sucked. It really sucked. And for the most part, my life following the Panthers has been losing, to be honest. Our, our winning seasons have been like, and when I say winning seasons, I mean the seasons where we're in it and relevant. They've been few and far between. That's what's made this last few years friggin' incredible for me. It's like, oh, wow, this is what this feels like. For West Tigers fans to have so many back-to-back-to-back years where they're just, they're not in the race. And the joke being like the ceiling is ninth place. I can't imagine what that's like to follow a football team that does that. It's got to be soul-destroying, and I really do feel sorry for Tigers fans. Like, when I'm bagging the Tigers, I'm not bagging the fans at all. I'm I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about a, a football team whose fan base is fucking getting destroyed year after year and has been for 10 years, and something has to change. And it's not changing. That's the crazy thing to me. Like, yeah. 
that the board doesn't stand down. The board should fucking stand down. The CEO should be sacked. Absolutely. The, the amount of oh, we've been, gone through the players list. How can you sign all of that and not one current, like genuine fucking test star in the peak of their career? Mm. Just not like, one. It's like crazy. The, the best signing, if you think of the best signing, that's probably the closest to their peak is Appy Coruscant. When, it, like Appy Coruscant, I bet he would say to you, "Man, I'm not the player I used to be, but I'm still pretty fucking good." Yeah, well, you know, let's be honest. It's, it's him and Benji Marshall because Benji managed to get back in the Test side after that season. He got back. Yeah, and he was a different Benji Marshall though yeah. too. Like but he wasn't. That's, that's he wasn't, it. and well, they're both guys Benji in their thirties. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the fucking thing. And so, and and the worst part about it is they've lost any semblance of idea on how to notice talent in their own local area. Mm. They've lost it. We've, we went through the list of players that have had debut there, and barely any of them are playing the NRL. And the ones that are are at other clubs, like the NRL level ones. They're at yeah. other clubs. Yeah. How fucking blind are they? I had some. I had somebody oh. today on Twitter um, ask about how, like, what would happen if the West Tigers went to the NRL and said, um, "We need to relocate. We need a, a fresh start." And I said how important the Macarthur region was because this person said, "Look, I don't know the Sydney area that well," and I tried to explain how big the Macarthur region is and how important it is in Sydney and how it's growing. And I said it's it's got to be the second biggest junior rugby league base in Sydney at the very least. And like you might be talking about in terms of numbers, you might be talking about the world after Penrith, you know, like that's how important this area is. And the West Tigers, for the most part, seems like they fucking ignore it. Yeah. At the very least, they don't nurture it very well at all. You know, Parramatta gets far more out of their junior base than the West Tigers do. And if oh, you had massively. to pick, if you had to pick blindly on which junior base you would rather have, I would rather have that MacArthur region 10 times out of 10, you know, just on just numbers. Yeah. How do they and fuck it up? It, that, this is the thing about it is that that MacArthur region is the reason why you can't relocate the, the Tigers. And if you do, you need to move someone into that MacArthur region because the, there's two issues, okay? With the MacArthur region, one, it's huge and it's growing. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the GWS team are out there. And there's also a, isn't there a, a Western Sydney soccer team as well? Yeah, the MacArthur Bulls soccer team. So you, you've got two other codes out there waiting to leap on all of those rugby league juniors. And that's what they are, they're rugby league juniors. And if they haven't got a pathway into the NRL, they'll go to another sport. Mm. That's like a it, lot of talent that goes missing straight away. Like if the if the West Tigers disappeared tomorrow, you would have to have a team that was based in MacArthur, like as an expansion team, because yeah, it, look, it's important. You'd probably find that someone, and I say this, not being not making a joke, a team like the Roosters would probably move out there. And the reason why I say the Roosters is they contemplated moving out there not too long ago and playing home games out there because they saw the potential of getting some of those juniors out there. So mm -hmm. they thought, we could play five home games out there 
that's more than what the West Tigers play out there. And that one gives the chance to find some of those juniors out there and, and start tapping into that market. So they're looking at that. Mm. That's what smart fucking clubs do. They look at these opportunities that other clubs are missing out on. You know, and the reasons why it's teams like the Roosters doing that is because the Roosters are absolutely hemmed in by every other team and the fucking ocean. Yeah. Their junior market is so tiny. They they have to adapt. And they have to look at other junior areas. And, yeah, I know a lot of clubs have hung shit on them for it. You know, they're constantly, you know, like bought, not bred, all that sort of stuff, you know. But they can't produce their own juniors. That's just not a big enough area. So well, they've, even, got to, they've got to look around like that. And that's they're, hmm. they're doing that out of necessity. But you even look at Penrith. Like Penrith, they they made a decision that they weren't just going to focus on their district at one point. They were like, we're going to go over the top of the Blue Mountains. We're going to go right out into country areas. And it's bad fruit for them. A lot of very good players that they've picked up from it. Um, so even if you've got that giant junior base, you can't you can't just rest no, on it, you know? You don't rest on it. And that's the thing. I mean, the Tigers can do the same thing by going down the Hume. Yeah, but that, well, that's the thing that gets me about the Tigers is they've got – they're the only team that's in Sydney where their junior base is 100% going to grow with the growth of Sydney because everywhere else, Blue Mountain stops Penrith, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone else is hemmed in, basically. Yep. And they're the only team where, with the growth of Sydney, will be the growth of the West Tigers and their junior base, and they put themselves in Concord. Yeah. I don't get it. Mm. Um, but their on-field results, their failure to be an absolute threat, the very, very rare occasions that they make the finals even rare occasions that they win premierships, sorry, premiership, <laughs> um, and the way they're run screams Western Suburbs Magpies. I don't know whether they just bother with Tigers on anymore. Just drop the Tigers and make it Magpies again. They've got what they wanted. They've made yeah. this club a farcical failure, which is what the Magpies were when they folded. Well, when the, the Magpies, the people need to know the Magpies only won four premierships in 90 years the tigers had 14 mm-hmm. okay and, and the and tigers made the finals at least once in every single decade and the thing was like when the two clubs merged um the media made the snarky remark that it's two dying clubs are, are merging to make one dying club and look it it was snarky but it yeah. wasn't super far off the mark. Like the West's Magpies, to say they were on life support is being super generous. Yeah, the um, difference was, was more... were really good at, um, at kind of like the Roosters, at dealing with what little they had. Mm. And so as much as Balmain got the wooden spoon in 94, which is their first one in 20 years from memory, and only their fourth wooden spoon in their entire history, Right, so they weren't they weren't also Rans. They were always a, a pretty strong, successful side. Yeah, they bounced back, and they were they were middle of the road side. They almost made the finals in '97. They missed out by I think it might have been a try or something like that. It was so much, so little in it. Um, and they they saved the Magpies, and this is often forgotten now because the Tigers are basically dead. Mm. People think it was the Magpies that saved them the whole time. No. 
the Tigers saved the Magpies because the Magpies were not going to be in a joint venture. They were going to be completely taken over by the Bulldogs. The Tigers had enough um, wherewithal, enough resources and enough juniors to say, because Parramatta wanted to do the same with Balmain, but Balmain said, no, we want a joint venture. And it turned Parramatta away. Cronulla were looking at them. The Roosters were looking at them as joint venture partners. The Tigers end up going with the Magpies because I didn't want to see a fellow foundation club get completely taken over and swallowed up. They did that out of sympathy. That's what it was. Mm. And they saved the Magpies from dying. And ever since then, the Magpies have hated the Tigers, even though the Tigers fucking saved their ass and kept them alive. For what? Another 15 years of this miserable fucking horseshit. Well, it's interesting that, like, the uh, the Tigers were basically the, the big part of the, the joint venture because the Magpies just brought nothing to the table, really, at that time. Well, no, I mean, the Magpies were waiting on Balmain to make a decision. Yeah, and then, like, it, it's interesting. If you had a said, say, a year or two into the joint venture, that one day... Very, very soon, actually, the Balmain side of the joint venture will be nothing. And it'll all be basically um, the Western Suburbs Magpie Junior Rugby League that is running everything. Nobody would have believed you. No. And I actually had someone on my Twitter uh, today talking about the Magpies and they were like, you know, they'd seen the Magpies struggle and they'd seen the the Balmain Tigers struggle, so this wasn't new to them. And and it was weird to think about how many versions of the Magpies we've got to see dying <laughs> over the course of rugby uh, history. <laughs> well, they they were basically dead in 82. Mm, mm. Um, so in, and in 1982, there was Newtown, South Cronulla and the Magpies. They were all on the fucking chopping block. Um, and someone had to go. And Newtown had made a deal that they would move out and play at Campbelltown Stadium. At the moment, at the time, the Magpies were playing at Arana or Lincoln, somewhere around there. Um, the Magpies then hosted, did a whole heap of fundraisers and stuff like that, and then they said, you know what, we will play at Campbelltown instead. And that sunk the Newtown Jets because then they were like, oh, we were going to do that. Mm. They stole that from the from the Jets. The Jets ended up dying. Cronulla got, you know, one of their 15 million loans. And South survived just because one other club got the arse. That was it. And, you know, Cronulla was almost bankrupted twice, three times. I can't remember now. It was a heap during the 80s and 90s. And it was... They, the the Sharks were adamant that owning your own ground was going to be nothing more than a profit-making machine, and it was just so dilapidated parts of the stands. It just it was a constant drain on this, their finances, and they're just constantly patching it up, fixing it up, upgrading it, upgrading it, and it just it was burning a hole in their pocket the whole time. That was, their, that was their biggest problem, and, I mean, they're still upgrading it now. Yeah, I mean, you look at their ground now, and it's... It's so far away from where a, a rugby league stadium should, an NRL stadium should be in 2023. It, it's it's silly at this point. Yeah. But they they did they always had that fallback of like we'll sell some of the mangroves, and eventually <laughs> they cashed in the mangroves. 
Who would have thought mangoes are worth so much? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think um, they've always found a way to survive the sharks. The magpies just constantly struggled, and which was crazy because the sharks don't have much of a junior area either. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow they they were still producing more great talent than what the magpies were because the magpies weren't identifying it. Um, and the West Tigers are doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think their two greatest sons, one's from Keeper Park on the Gold Coast and the other one was basically from um, Leichhardt, uh, Bankstown sort of region. Yeah. And these yeah, are from, crazy, from the yeah. MacArthur area. Well, that, but they did ha- like. Then you go through the players that they did have at some point. James Tedesco, okay, they lost him. Mitch Moses, who, when he left the club, you know, it. I know for for West Tigers fans, or some of them, not all of them, losing Mitch Moses at the time was terrible. I personally was like, yeah, he, no, no, he's, no. he's not going to be a halfback going forward, you know. No, I was. Um, I was Look, the problem they had at the time, okay, and I, I remember this vividly, is the fact that I'd been saying at that time that the only way Brooks and Moses will work as a halves combo is if Brooks is at six and Moses at seven because Moses is a talker and an organiser mm-hmm. and Brooks is a ball runner. That's six. That's how you six and seven have always been. Mm-hmm. Yet for some reason we were persisting with them being the other way around. I said, if we're going to keep Brooks at seven, Moses won't stay. He needs to be a halfback somewhere. And that's exactly what he went and chased, and that's what he's gone and done. Isn't it weird how that was, like, that's so long ago now. Like, you think yeah. James Tedesco at that point is like, oh, he's he's a pretty handy fullback. He could have something here. And now you think of everything he's achieved. Well, that's the thing, too. We weren't too sure on him. Well, like he, we knew how good he was. Yeah. But he had that horrible, horrible fucking knee injury. First game, yeah. First game of 2012. Fucking knee, knee collision or something like that. And then, no, no, the knee collision was shortly after he came back the following year because the first year he got injured in the in round one against the Sharks. And then the following year he came back and he had a, a knee collision with, I think it was, um, um, who was that? Raiders, Terry Campisi. Mm-hmm. I think he had a knee collision with him and it broke, it fractured his um his kneecap in half. Kneecap, yeah, that's right. And then he had to go and change his running style, so he wasn't he wasn't lifting his knees as high or some weird thing like that. And look, um, I can I can see at that at that point, you you look at that and you say, do we invest in this young bloke? You know, he's he's coming off ACL surgery in his first game. Then he's cracked his kneecap. Is he going to be great? Now he leaves. You're not going to keep all of them, you know? No, but the club made the decision to keep the... Like, the one person they needed to keep was Tedesco, and that's it. And they instead tried to keep Brooks and Woods. (laughs) Woods... Woods left the minute he could, and Moses had no intention of staying. Neither did Tedesco. Tedesco had made it clear he wanted to go to the, um, he wanted to leave. He, he tried to go to the the Raiders the Raiders, year before, yeah. and Barrett talked him out of it. And then he wanted to go to the Roosters because you know he grew up as a Roosters fan. 
I think his family was close to the um, Minicello family. So he's kind of going where his heart wanted him to be anyway by going to the Roosters. That's mm. why he's never left. But that, that's what that was all about. I wasn't too disappointed with Moses leaving because it meant that um, less chance of his uncle getting involved in meddling in the fucking team and all this <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about how much how much time has passed since those days and how much rugby <laughs> league has occurred and, and wins and losses and careers have been played out and we're still here looking at Luke Brooks and his, his fucking game is the exact same. Well, like, the thing that's changed, okay, this year is he is running the ball a lot more. Okay, this is, at the moment, he's averaging 126 metres per game. He's only averaged over 100 metres per game in one other season, and that was... Uh, let's see, 22, 21, 20, 2019. The thing is, though, like I, I was watching him in the game today, and it, it's nothing new, but I'm watching him in the game today. And when it come time to, you know, make the play on the last tackle, it's Dewey that's making the plays. He's the he's basically the the half, the one half at the club. Yeah, and it's mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing because. I I would bet Dewey is fucking like earning what four five hundred thousand dollars less than Brooks, and Brooks is the halfback. That's Brooks's job. And I was watching him, and like he just disappears for big chunks of the game. And when he turns up, it is to run the ball. But Dewey is doing the job of, that Brooks should be doing. Yeah, and now Dewey's got to do it from fucking fullback while also doing fullback duties. Yeah, and that's what genius look, that's, thinks that's a good idea. Yeah, and, yeah, moving him to fullback is <laughs> when that happened. It's crazy. But then, like today, it looks like it, he's going for scans. Dewey's going for scans. They're worried he might have done his ACL again. Fingers crossed he hasn't. But either way, it looks like he's going to be on the sidelines for a few weeks. And, man, it just leaves the West Tigers in a horrible position. I, I would personally have Dane Laurie in there at 5'8". But... If he's, you know, on the outer at the club, they're probably not going to do that. And it, like, it crazy in a crazy way, it could just get worse from here for the West Tigers. And, you know, last week was the first time I saw West Tigers fans um, on Twitter talking about, like, enough is enough. We we need a new board. We need to start going to games and letting our, our voice be known that we want changes at the club or maybe even get to a point where you boycott games. Now, boycotting games is difficult to do because it's something you want to be involved in. You want to watch a football team. You want to be at the games. You love rugby league, you know. So turning your back on all of that's a very difficult thing to do. It also makes um, no point going to, like, paying for a ticket and then walking out. Like, it, it may – Yeah. I know it happened in the A-League recently, and mm-hmm. it may be a um, remarkable spectacle. But at the end of the day, the club's still got your money. Yeah. You know, the best way you're going to hurt these clubs, and I'm not endorsing this, but if you want to hurt the club and you or you want to hurt the league, you stop buying their shit. You don't yeah. buy memberships. Yeah. And then you watch the games from home. You know, yeah, it's that, the that's one. how you hurt them. Yeah. You know, I, I stopped buying West Tigers memberships a few years ago. I'd been a West Tigers member for a long, long time. I went, I'm not, 
I can't support this shit anymore. Yeah. It was about four years ago. I'm not buying them anymore. Yeah, and you, you, have, you have to get to that point. Like I remember um, deep into the Matthew Elliott years at the Penrith Panthers, and there was a similar sort of culture of like the club defending its failures and defending the failed coach and going no, just treading water going nowhere. And it, it really is a case of like, don't buy it, you know, spend your money elsewhere. And at the time, I remember there would be some Penrith fans that would be like, oh, the club needs our support. You know, it needs our money. It's like, no, no, you need your money more than this club needs your money. And you're just handing over money to for nothing. It's just failure. Like, no one's accountable. And when no one's accountable, it, like, if you're giving them the money, they're not accountable to that. That's right. You're justifying because, their, their behavior. Yeah, yeah. Like, they do, if they're not caring about the losses, the only thing that's going to get to them is the money. Fully agree. And as we've seen, I mean, that, that's all the potatoes interested in. Yeah. Oh, we're good with sales and this and that and everything else. And going, good for you. Why don't you go over to fucking sales and stay there? <laughs> you go don't have to run some, out. Go and sell some fucking chocolate crackles or something if that's all you care about. Sorry, what was that? Go and sell some chocolate crackles if that's all you care about. <laughs> you know, it's just about the sales figures. <laughs> it's all about the sales. <laughs> Oh man, he's he's a fucking punish. It's just crazy to me that you can be in a job for that long that's so high profile, and like have zero success, like not even close to success, and there's zero pressure on him. Being abject failure and getting worse after seven years, mm. and still keep your job. Yeah, and then and have, have the fucking have a, balls to talk about we're starting a five-year plan now. Yeah. I mean, just just the audacity when things are getting bad to throw the fucking army under the bus yeah, to save that, your ass. That got me, man. Yeah. That was, oh, we, we got great respect for the army until, you know, we get caught our fucking up our jumper, <laughs> then it's their fault. Fuck them. Fuck yes. you, army. What are you going to do? I think the army should fucking double down. And go, you know what? Let's have a war. <laughs> Ask for what we've got and you what you've got. I bet you could get a football team together in the army that would be the West Tigers, hey? I'm not I'm saying there'd be a great footy team or anything, but I bet that in the whole AD, ADF, you could get 17, 18 guys with the 18th man that they would beat the West Tigers. I'm confident of it. <laughs> I'd even get a good coach there. <laughs> they probably would, eh? <laughs> I'm confident uh, on it. They couldn't get worse. The sooner this club gets rid of that fucking spud and that whiny, sniveling, bitchy um, fucking Lee. Have you ever heard of a bloke sook so fucking much? That's the all thing he that does. Can... The thing that gets me is that they probably going to sue me. <laughs> well, the, the thing that gets me is that when they bounce back and forth defending each other, 
and it's not just him, it's the whole board. Like when the board defends the CEO and CEO defends the board and like everyone's defending their failures, you like at some point you're the problem, you know? Yeah. And who takes responsibility of saying this person's track record is so poor and the sample size is so large, we can allow it going forward. I don't understand how the board at the very least doesn't change the CEO to take pressure off themselves. But then when you realize that there's zero mechanism to change the board for the fans, like no one's under any pressure. There's zero pressure on any of them. And that's why they're still in their jobs and that's why the club keeps losing. There's no pressure on them. They can they can lose for another 10 years and it doesn't matter. There's actually a quote from Justin Pascoe which really sums that up well. Mm-hmm. He's quoted as saying once, not everyone will be happy with some of the decisions we make, but we do not apologise for these decisions. Yeah, and there you go. That's how you run a failure. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very sad for West Tigers fans. Um I've got a question for you. Yeah. And it's a it's a tough one to ask, or it's a tough one to answer because it it uh I think it goes to the heart of what it means to be a football club supporter. Mm-hmm. At, at any point during your time watching the, or supporting the West Tigers over the last 10 years, have you thought to yourself, you know what? I love the I love the Tigers but it would be so much easier just get behind another team. And it won't be the same. I could just enjoy it if I barracked for a different team. I, What I found I've started doing mm-hmm. is instead of following another team, I just find that I follow rugby league more evenly against like against all the other teams. So in the past, for example, I'd watch my team play every week. Mm-hmm. And then gradually, it's been a subconscious thing. I've started watching other games. And I started watching all the games. Yeah. Um, and it's like getting an appreciation for the game instead of watching the worst version of it that was being dished up to me every week. Yeah, I get that. And I guess, look, it's easy because you and me are kind of the same in that like we can sit down and and I'll use the Melbourne Storm as an example. We can sit down and watch the Melbourne Storm and be like, "That's amazing. I love seeing that because it is the best of the best that I'm watching," and and get enjoyment out of that. But then I guess like we, and I've had to do this with the Panthers at time to, times too. You can watch a team and, and it just hurts watching it, you know, and you yeah, get your enjoyment watching other teams. It doesn't really hurt anymore. The The pain has stopped. Yeah. And even the frustration has ended. Yeah. Because um, even when I rip into the club over its stupid shit, it's, I mean, it does come from a place of frustration, but it's, it's mostly just laughing at the club for being how fucking shit it is. That's basically where it comes from now. We've gone past the point of anger and frustration. And now we've just realized that this whole club is just a joke. It has no intentions whatsoever of changing that, that um, perception. Mm-hmm. It's happy there. And so if it wants to continue being a joke, then I'll keep making jokes about it. Simple as that. You know what? 
I'm not a comedian. That's why I'll take the fucking low-hanging fruit. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess, too, that with a lot of other sport teams that you watch, when they go through hard times, you see some sort of progress or you, you you know you go through the ups and downs when you follow any sport and team well yeah you can see the bones of what they're building towards yeah There's or some you direction get, there yeah or you get some player that comes into the side and you're like wow when he gets the ball or you know it, it's exciting i'm going through it as a, a houston rockets fan right now right you know we've sucked for year, a couple of years now but we got some exciting young players in the team and you kind of think man in a couple of years time Hopefully these young blokes, they pull it all together and get a couple of extra draft picks in there and we go in the right direction. If it was 10 years of that and those players leave and it's just 10 years of the same shit and there's there's no ups and downs, it's just a, just losing and losing and losing and losing and losing. I can't imagine it. I really can't imagine it. Well, it's 12 years of losing, and then you get told that they're starting the five-year plan. <laughs> oh, that, man, I, I would go nuts. I'd go fucking nuts. I can't yes. imagine what it's like being a West Tigers. I feel so sorry for you blokes I, and the and the ladies out there as well, and the kids. I, the, I saw a young lady holding her kid up at the football, and this kid must have been like four or five, and I was thinking... <laughs> They weren't in the finals for like five or six years before that kid was born, and he still hasn't seen finals footy. Yeah, God, when when they get to the point now where there's um, kids about to become teenagers, haven't seen their playing team playing the finals. Yeah, twenty eleven was the last time. So twelve, twelve year olds. Yeah. And if we're honest, I mean, they haven't really seen him, seen him play for the first two or three years anyway. So, you know, they already are teenagers. <laughs> so they miss people are going days. to be learning how to drive soon. <laughs> They're going to start, you know, filling out their own tax returns soon. And they've never seen their team play in the finals. But we're, like, all jokes aside, we're starting to get towards the years where the elite juniors at the club in their entire lifetime, the club will have not made the finals. You know, we're only like four, five, six years away from that. And, and it's crazy to think about. It's, 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 it's almost remarkable that you can be that much of a failure for so long and still be getting worse. Yeah. Like, it's in always amazing when yeah, it's always amazing when you see a team that's hasn't reached its ceiling yet and is still getting better. But to see a team that hasn't reached its floor yet and it's still digging. <laughs> that's that's a different level of impressive. Man, that's I, I just just can't believe that we're at this point with the club. It's that it's getting worse is what gets me. And that they did that, the whole song and dance last year about they bring in Sheens and he's going to fix everything and they're going to go in a different direction. Mike Maguire's out and they're going to be able to recruit players and stuff. And we, you know, they, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a good number of games now they've got under their belt to start the year and they've been terrible. And I mean, I thought last year was bad. This year's 
that it's going to be worse. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, look, this club knows nothing other than um, adversity, misery, and when they get called out on it, doubling down and trying to defend it, or not doing anything at all. Um, That prolonging things any further, I mean, I'm only going to go back to that whole Mick Potter, Robbie Farris shit that went on. Mm. The club just sat back and just let it unfold. Just let the media deal with it. Because that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it then didn't. That, like, it, it, and it, it, like that, that was a long time ago as well, even. And it's yeah. weird when you go back and you think about, like, you know, times when the West Tigers have been in a really poor position or have made poor decisions and stuff. And players have had entire careers and we've moved into different areas. I mean, we're talking about a couple of different salary cap areas ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like when some of the stuff we've talked about today, if you had said, you know what, the salary cap's going to be about 10 million bucks. Uh, Well, it's actually, I think it's 12 million now. And, 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 you know, people would have been like, what? How far in the future are you? And it's like, well, long enough that you still haven't played the finals. <laughs> like, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, it is. I'm thinking of, I, I need to find a way to, um, you know, find new ways to laugh at the club. Yeah. Shit, so I don't have to feel so miserable. Mm. So one of the things I was thinking of doing was, um, I was going to make some jokes mm-hmm. about, the last time Tim Sheens was a relevantly a relevant and useful coach. Mm-hmm. That was 2005. I was going to make some joke about the iPhone. And when I looked into it, there, hadn't, there wasn't an iPhone then. <laughs> <laughs> First iPhone came out in 2007, 2008. So, oh, now it's going to be an iPod joke. And that's too old now for anyone to understand. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. How about how many seasons the West Tigers hadn't made the final series? But if you had said to them <laughs> that Donald Trump would one day be the president of the United States, they'd be like, what? Yeah. And he hasn't been president of the United States for a number of years now. From 2006 till now, Donald Trump has been president of America for more years than the West Tigers have been in finals football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh. it's so strange. That's fucked. Mm, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, man. The West Tigers. Boris... Is... <laughs> Boris Johnson has brushed his hair more times than the West Tigers have won premierships in the last 15 years. You could have said at one point, like, you know what? They're going to do a new Star Wars, three movies, new Star Wars movies. People are like, oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, by the end of it, no one's going to give a fuck. They're going to be so bad. It's like, what? Yep. <laughs> yep, that'll happen. That'll happen. Oh, um, this could be. They'll bring out three more PlayStation play consoles. <laughs> That's happened. How about, like, I'm trying, what would be another good one? Electric cars. Yeah. The the bloke the bloke who makes electric cars and wants to go to Mars ends up being famous for buying Twitter. 
What's Twitter? Oh, yeah, that wasn't around then either. <laughs> he he used to be really big into PayPal. Oh, yeah, that's that new thing that just coming out. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be more like MSN Messenger won't be around anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never. Oh, shit. Oh, man, it's... It's uh, it's bad. It's bad, yeah. and doesn't matter how much you point out the the clear facts. Sheen somehow manages to avoid getting the ass, and he deserves it. Well, that's that's going to be the next big question for them is like, because at some point you can't you can't lose every game and continue to be the coach like. And look, I don't think that they'll have a winless season just because statistically that's it's almost impossible. It's absolutely impossible. In the modern salary cap era, it's just impossible, right? Like, Yeah, winless in a season. It's kind of like going undefeated in a season. Yeah, yeah. It's, it you just, just can't do it. It just shouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. So, um, but like how many games, if, he, if they win, say, three games this year, is that enough to be sacked? If they lose if they lose another ten games, would that get him sacked? Because no, nothing, point... nothing will get him sacked. That's the problem. The the people who put him there, they hired him. And I think they're starting to get aware of the fact too that they they know they can't keep sacking coaches. That's why they got Sheens in to sack the last one. Yeah. Because they know that they can't keep doing it because it's an admission of failure every single time they do it. But that's um, the scary thing. Like if if they're in a position where they feel like they can't sack Sheens, and the club does say lose its next ten games, like what a what a what's going on? Like at some point everyone just has to go, and if there's no mechanism for everyone to go, like how do they improve as a club? Like, you wait, do you just end up waiting for Benji Marshall to take over and hope that by some miracle he is a first-grade coach? And when I say miracle, I mean when somebody comes in and they're a first-grade coach and it just works, that's kind of a miracle because we've seen some great players take over as coach and they've been no good at all. We've seen some, some guys that have spent years as assistant coaches come in and they haven't been able to do the top job. Like, if you've got a guy that comes in and does the top job and they do a good job of it, it's like it's like some special sauce that's been put together in a blender. Yeah, but it just works, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was just going to look through this roster, man, this uh, draw for the Tigers, thinking when are they going to get the next win? Or actually, when are they going to get their first win? And the the first thing you think of is, okay, we'll see who they're playing around the origin period. Mm-hmm. Guess who they're playing <laughs> in the week of origin one? If Worst case scenario would be the New Zealand Warriors. Bye. Oh, they've got a bye. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so let's, let's go to origin two. Okay. Who they're playing the week of origin two? I'm going to say the Warriors. Bye. What? How yeah, have every, they got that? Every team gets three buys. Wow. And for Origin 3, it's the Knights at Newcastle. 
yeah, I can't imagine the Knights will have too many Origin players. <laughs> so they've yeah. got the bye coming up next week, or this week. Mm-hmm. Then they've got Manly at Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. Penrith at Carrington. Oh, yeah. Then Magic Weekend against the Dragons. Then South, then the Cowboys at Leichhardt. And then Origin 1. Then they've got Canberra at Campbelltown. The Titans at Gold Coast and Melbourne at Campbelltown. And then another bye. Then they go to the Cowboys. Then they play Cronulla. And then Newcastle for Origin 3. Then it's Dragons at Wynn Stadium. South at Tamworth. Canberra in Canberra. Warriors in New Zealand. Dolphins in Sydney. The Roosters at Allianz. And Manly at Brookvale. So that, that's the thing. This year has been um, so far for most of the league that the NRL has been a really close, interesting season, and it's really difficult to tip. And we've seen some teams that were supposedly going to struggle be really good, and some teams that were supposed to be really good have struggled a little bit. Um, you know, the, the Broncos got out to a really good start and they lost to Canberra last week who were coming off a terrible loss. Like we've seen so many varied results. The Raiders though, they had to play a strong physical game in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, They they had been missing too many tackles Mm -hmm. and giving away far too many penalties. And the Broncos forwards in the middle would, they were primed to just steamroll right through them and take Mm -hmm. the full advantage. And those Raiders forwards Stood up like all oh, fuck. Yeah. Um. They pounded back at him, man. It was impressive to watch them do that. Um. Because when I started, when they came out onto the field for that game and they started with that high intensity, I went, "This is great footy for the first minute." They've only got seventy nine more of it to go. Yeah. Like, can they do it? And sure enough, they fucking did. But that's what it takes now to beat this Broncos side. You've got to be eighteen minutes of intense physicality in the middle to beat them. Yeah, and I like to, it's impressive to turn it around that quickly, you know. Mm. You can't take that away from the Raiders. And, oh, God, and, no. And in all of the things we've seen this year, like you look at the Dragons, like the Dragons are a, a team that has managed to win games. And we talked about they probably have the ro- worst roster in the NRL. And you look at it all and the West Tigers are, are just this extra level below in the basement and it shouldn't be that way. You know, they're the only team that isn't stepping up and doing something this year. And, you know, it, it's, it, it feels like it's going to be a while. I mean, maybe they can do something against the Anthony Seabold coach, Manly Seagulls. He looks like he's got his defensive patterns right in there now. So that'll work out well for the Seagulls, you know, in the short term until they have to sack him. But, you know, outside of that, I, mean, I just don't see a team that the West Tigers would come up against and have any confidence that they could do anything against them, really. No, I, I can't see who they're beating. Like, usually and, with, with some of these really poor teams, you go, yeah, you know what, they're a chance against this one side, usually against the Tigers. Mm. But when it's the Tigers that are playing like crap, who's the team they're going to supposed to be a chance against? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, like, the thing that worries me, too, is, like, if you get Souths on their day or 
the Broncos, who I feel like is, is the Broncos are the perfect team to play the West Tigers, like the nightmare team, it, where just a big forward pack and outside backs that are just lightning when they get a bit of space. You know, what's that scoreline going to be? And, and that's not even taken into account, like, if Penrith turns up and they, they're just in the mood to, you know, destroy someone. And we haven't really seen that happen yet. No. That's the thing that that worries me about that matchup for the West Tigers is that, you know, the Tigers haven't done too bad against the Panthers. They haven't won many games, but they haven't done too bad against the Panthers in recent years. And it, the statistics say that eventually the Panthers are going to turn up and decide to rip your, your heart out of your chest. So how's that going to work out when that happens? Like, bloody hell. And then we haven't even talked about the Storm. Yeah. They're not, they're not even full strength. They probably won't even get to full strength this year. No. I've got a question for you. Okay. What's the difference between the 2023 West Tigers and the 1999 West Magpies? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> Okay, because uh, that West Magpies team was special in a, in mm. all the worst ways. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Were, was the average points against for that Magpies Pies team better than what the West Tigers are giving up? No. But... Okay. Okay. The West Magpies won one of their first six games of the year. Who'd they beat? That who'd they beat? They beat South twenty to eighteen. Wow. How many games did they win that year? Was it like three, three or? They beat Penrith in round twelve, seven six mm-hmm. at Parramatta, and then two weeks after that they beat Balmain at Campbelltown eighteen twelve. And that was it. That was it, and then it got real bad real fast. <laughs> then it got bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is a, yeah this, these are the points they conceded after that. Um, 16, 44, 48, 20, 48, 68, 56, 64, 46, 44, 36, 60. That's how you finish a legacy. That's the worst team we've both seen in our lifetime, yeah. 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 I mean, if we want to find worse, we have to go to England. Yeah. <laughs> Leave the West Wales Raiders out of this, all right? <laughs> that that Magpie team conceded 944 points that year. <laughs> that that that's a that's a competition high. Yeah, that, that's how bad that was. Um, the West Wales Raiders in their <laughs> in 20, 2018, their first season as the West Wales Raiders. 26 games, they lost all of them, and they conceded 2,106 points. It sounds worse than it is. Not, not really. It's as bad as it sounds. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That, that was just a, a meagre average of 81 points per game. And you know what? They didn't even finish with zero competition points. They finished with minus four. <laughs> How'd they get minus four points? They were, they lost four competition points for fielding an ineligible player. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Hemelstags had two wins for the year and four competition points, and they ended up being eight points clear of last. Wow, that's amazing. That's bloody amazing. 
Oh, that West Wales Rams, man, I, I love them. They they conceded 100 points in a game on four, on six different occasions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, British rugby league, they, their record books are funny, hey? Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty shit. Yeah, the Raiders the Raiders haven't survived either. Yeah, I, I I heard. I think they went under a couple of weeks ago or something like that. It yeah, wasn't just, too long ago. Just before the 2023 season started. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, but, you know, rugby league in Wales. <laughs> so, yeah, they conceded. This is this is purely just to make Tigers fans feel better. Yeah. 2018, 26 games, lost all of them, conceded 2,106 points. The following year... They had one win and 19 losses. It conceded mm-hmm. 1,091 points out of 20 games. So, to be fair, that's a big defensive improvement. Yeah, that, that's that's a 100% improvement. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, in 2020, played just the two games and conceded 100 points. Fuck. In 2021, had one draw and 17 losses, no wins, <laughs> and conceded 942 points. And then last year, one win from 20 games and conceded just under 1,200 points. So in their six seasons, they had two wins and one draw. <laughs> wow. They conceded like 5,000 points. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it fair to... Learn, look, it's, it's all grading, right? But is it fair to say that that's the worst rugby league club in the history of the sport? I'm I'm confident to go with that. Like there's yeah. teams that will have probably been on worst losing streaks, but no team has been pounded like that. Yeah, that's the thing that that separates them from everybody else. Um, you know, one of the things about this season in the NRL, and the the results have been everywhere, and it's been very hard to follow. My tipping is terrible this year. Um. Let's do a tipping update because I actually legit haven't been looking at it. I don't even know if I put my tips in last week. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd... You're probably still beating me. That's how bad my tips are this year. Uh, let's have a look. Come on, tipping. I, I don't know how it's been going. How, how have you been going? Are you still sitting in like the top 15 or so? 15. <laughs> That's what you usually are. I am down in the 80s. 80s? 80s. Last time I checked, I was in 87th position. The fuck are you doing? I'm trying. It says everybody else. I know, that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I I normally start off a little slow during a tipping competition, but I normally by now have dialed it in, and I have not dialed it in whatsoever. Okay. Fergo Freak Podcast. Let's type in League Freak. Where's he at? Oh, I've got to click on Load More. Yeah, yeah. You've got to click it a couple of times to get to me. If I wasn't in the first 50. You're at 86. There we go. I've moved up a position. You're there with uh, oh, Sean, Sean Dolan. He's one, one tip ahead of you. <laughs> um, I'm at 67. But I've only got three more right than you have. I'm at 25. 
See, it's close competition. Yeah. 86 sounds worse than it is. My, um, well, the top, top team's got, the top tipper's got 35. Mm-hmm. Terry Tierney, um, obviously he's just fluking it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's like in the top 66 is absolutely fluking it. <laughs> You're not doing it with any intelligence whatsoever. <laughs> Just throwing darts at a dartboard. That's obviously. all they're doing. I'm the only one. I'm the I'm the first one in on the list using actual knowledge. <laughs> How's that going for me? The one I want to I want to be the worst at is the total margin. Oh yeah, I've got that nailed constantly. Oh really? Yeah, I'm, my total margin for this year is 148. That's bad. Yeah, it's that's that does sound bad. <laughs> yeah. The next worst has 120. There's only five of us in 100. Wow. What's mine at? Yeah, I'm just trying to find yours. It's It must be looking pretty good. Yours is at 55. Because I remember there was one, I think it was a Panthers game where I got within yours, two points and it was a big score. Yours is the second best. Yeah. Yeah, that I, well, I feel like I'll, I've been going around be much. Let's be honest. That's where the real money is. Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely. Picking the margin. Yeah. I didn't realise you had to pick the winners. So I was just going by margin. Yeah, well, that's fair. Silly. Picking winners. Well, we would have been childish all of a sudden. <laughs> who's who's playing that long game? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely stupid. But, um, uh, yeah, this, this season, like, with the results being... It's been great. You chuck on a footy game and you think you know who's going to win and you've fucking got no idea. Um, but one of the things that is now starting to play out is the Panthers' defence is not conceding too many tries a game. And, and it's like it's starting to play out now. And, you know, with all of the random results, if that's the thing that is going to be the consistent point during the season... Like, it feels like they might end up winning the minor premiership at the very least again. Yeah, their defence is, again, on another fucking level. Mm. But they've only considered 64 points in six rounds. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Especially this year with the results have been so random, you know. And and that was something that stood out to me that, um, you know, they're just... I think at most they'd conceded two tries, and yeah, that's it's a bit. I, I think that that's going to be the thing we all look back on, just for the minor premiership. I don't know how they're going to go because I, I think that they've still got issues with their attack that they've got to sort out. They've lost players over the last couple of years. How are they going to be able to replace them? I think we got problems at hooker, but. You know, if if they're defending like that for the whole season, at the very least in the regular season, they're going to be very difficult to beat for the for the minor premiership. And that's true. That's true. Um, can can we close it on a on a interesting stat? Yeah, definitely. Um, since round eight last year, mm-hmm. Louis McCarthy Scarsbrook has had more wins on Australian soil than Luke Brooks. <laughs> what is he like 38 <laughs> i'm serious i'm pretty sure he's about 38 he's he's just turned 37 in no, january there you go there you go, there you go. 
<laughs> you know. Luke Brooks, he's just warming into the season. <laughs> be good. He'll be a good halfback one day. You watch. Oh, man. The talk's come up again that Leeds want him. I don't I, know why Leeds would be watching him and saying yes. We want that. Well, you know why? Mm. Leeds have won everything there is to win, right? Yeah. Very successful club. Mm. I don't think they've ever won in second division. I <laughs> so they go. Let's get that elusive piece of silverware. Did you see the the state of origin merchandise that Leeds put out? No, they put out origin merchandise. They put out. I don't know that they called it origin merchandise, but they put out this this like knockoff blue and maroon merchandise, and I don't know if they called it state of origin or what. But it was just so. Um, it was it was knockoff gear, knockoff state of origin gear, and they're promoting it on their main feed, on their main Twitter feed. Oh, this is origin range. You found it, the origin range. They called it origin. Yeah, <laughs> it's knockoff merch. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I see. So it's because it's a game against Huddersfield. Mm. Huddersfield's decided to go with their mostly maroon jumper. Yeah. No, that's not it either, because it's a maroon rhinos jumper and a blue rhinos jumper. I thought they were just doing like Huddersfield were going to do maroon and Leeds would do blue. At least that's using their colours. But no, that's um stupid. Yeah, it's it's very strange, isn't it? I think strange has been kind. I think it's stupid. <laughs> I, I feel like it would be one of those things where somebody would get a phone call and it'd be like... That's a very you know West Tigers thing to do. <laughs> it's like, you, you know you can't do this, right? And they're like, why not? And it's like, because this isn't state of origin and you can't sell knockoff gear, you fucking idiot. <laughs> how how bad is it that they mm. can't even use what they've got in their own game to promote their own game? They've got to use state of origin in Australia to sell merchandise it. in England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what next? Get your all blacks and wallabies jumpers here. <laughs> Celebrate Bladerslow. <laughs> You know when you walk past those cheap shops, shops, and it's just like a light blue T-shirt, and it says like "Go New South Wales" on it or something. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's what they're selling. That that sort of shit. Like, I just can't believe that anyone thought that was a good idea. My God, the Origin range is it's extensive. Is it really? Yeah, I'm just looking on their website now. They got hoodie, two two different types of hoodies, two a polo, a singlet top. A T-shirt, training tee, two pairs of shirts. And that's just for New South Wales. I did the same again for the Queensland one. That's... It's it's a little bit bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. And look, English clubs have been doing weird shit with, with their kit for a while now. Mm. Like random colour combinations that have got nothing to do with the club whatsoever. Yeah, I've never understood that. When you turn on the, the TV and you'll be like, oh, I, 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 they must be a different game. The TV guide's wrong. 
just at the first couple of seconds, you know, and then you're like, wait a minute, you know, why is St. Helens wearing blue? Yeah. I think one year we had Hull FC wearing fucking fluoro or something. Yeah. What the fuck? Although sometimes with the NRL teams, you'll chuck it on and like uh, I was watching a replay the other day and it was the Manly Seagulls and you would have sworn it was the Melbourne Storm. They were wearing Melbourne Storm's colours. And I know it's kind of close, maroon and, and the purple of the Storm, but you still shouldn't fuck it up like that. Yeah, especially when you've got like generally iconic colour combinations. Yeah. When black and white is your colour. Yeah. You don't need to muck with that. No, you don't. And yet Hull FC's alternate kit this year is blue and white. See, I can see with Huddersfield, their colours are kind of weird. And I can see where those colours in the right combination, you'd look at it and be like, oh, is that this other team? Oh, no, it's Huddersfield. That's that's kind of strange. But, yeah, as you say, like when you, your colours are like red and white, you shouldn't really get mixed up with too many teams. No. Have you seen the um, Hull FC alternative jumper, the third jumper this year? No, I haven't. It looks like um, a video game ejaculated a rainbow on a jumper. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird? I can picture that perfectly in my head. <laughs> you're gonna have to look it up trust me on this <laughs> this is this is great podcast content right here <laughs> do you need the link or you're good lfc alternative jersey the magic jumper oh they're magic round i'll give you the link here okay check that out okay <laughs> if you ever bored people and you want to see how stupid clubs can get with footy jumper designs, other than the West Tigers putting yanks on Anzac jumper. Wow. Check out what the Poms get up to. It looks like a video game ejaculated on a jersey. It really does. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how they manage that. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. <laughs> you buying one? No, I might pass on that. <laughs> don't blame me. Oh, man. The fuck is that? What's Hulkai going to do? Red and white. Red and white. I, I, I'd be shocked if they fucked with that. I oh, know they've got blue, red, and black, and they've got a maroon one. They've cool. got a Queensland one. They've got a Queensland one. Yeah. <laughs> Does the NRL know it needs to sue a bunch of Super League clubs? <laughs> what are they doing? What the fuck? I think this one was... 40-year commemoration of when the Queensland Maroons toured England. Yeah. That, that kind of makes sense a little bit. But it's, actually got, it's actually got Queensland written in the collar. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit sad, oh. isn't it? I'm fairly certain they lost that game. Look, to, to be fair, right, to be fair, the Sydney Roosters have been knocking off the French rugby league team for forever now. That's that's fair. So there is that. The um the French though, I mean they're good sports. They just let them do it. Yeah. 
They they were good sports. I don't know why. It's kind At of some weird. point they should they should sack them. Just Imagine. go, you know what? We we're gonna we're gonna go and we just wanna we wanna sack your entire income source. Imagine if the French rugby league invigorated all of rugby league in France by just suing the Sydney Roosters for copyright infringement for the last like fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> We hope to have a few more episodes out this week. Mm-hmm. So make sure you uh, get through these episodes quick and keep your, uh, your ear holes available for the next episode because we're going to have a few coming out, which is going to be great. Um, is that about it, Fritz? Yep, yep. It's been a good episode. It has been solid, rock solid. So uh, we'll wrap this one up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on all the socials, and we will catch you all next time. <laughs>